This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Ahsoka has a hidden Knights of the Old Republic connection. Welcome back to Nerdist News. I'm Dan Casey, and today we're breaking down the first two, count them, two episodes of Ahsoka. The brand new Star Wars series about everyone's favorite former Jedi debuted this week on Disney+. The show follows Ahsoka Tano on the hunt for Grand Admiral Thrawn, a blue meanie that represents a new hope for the Imperial Remnant and bad news bears for our heroes. And to make matters worse, the villainous people trying to track Thrawn down seem to be accessing dark occult powers to do so. Specifically, they're using something that has a major connection to not only Knights of the Old Republic 2, but one of the most significant arcs of Star Wars Rebels. And if we're right about this, it could have major implications for the rest of the series and the future of the galaxy far, far away. Now, we're going to break it all down for you in just a moment, but to do so, we have to spoil the first two episodes of Ahsoka and some storylines from Star Wars Rebels. So if you're not caught up yet and you're worried about that sort of thing, grab the nearest speeder bike on out of here. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? Folks, we are officially 25% of the way through Ahsoka. The first two episodes function as this sort of extended premiere, as Dave Filoni and company set the stakes for the galaxy far, far away's deadliest scavenger hunt as everyone tries to find Grand Admiral Thrawn, and maybe Ezra. Now, for those who don't know, Grand Admiral Thrawn was one of the Empire's most decorated military strategists. And I say was because old Thronathan Taylor Thomas went missing at the end of Star Wars Rebels. During the fateful Battle of Lothal, Thrawn and Ezra Bridger were transported into the unknown regions of deep hyperspace by a group of space whales known as Pergil. Why not? While Thrawn might be beyond the Imperial Remnant's reach for the time being, he isn't lost for good. As we learned in The Mandalorian Season 3, the Shadow Council, this Illuminati-esque organization plotting the evolution of the Imperial Remnant into the First Order, they believe that he is the key to everything. On The Mandalorian, Captain Pelion said, Grand Admiral Thrawn's return will herald in the resurgence of our military. And in the trailers for Ahsoka, they go so far to call Thrawn the heir to the Empire. And that's a reference to the 1991 novel by Timothy Zahn. That book first introduced the blue baddie who nearly took down the New Republic as we know it. It's a thrilling saga involving everything from secret cloning facilities to four sensitive special agents doing the Empire's bidding. And although it's no longer canon, it certainly seems like elements of that story are working their way back into the New Republic era of Star Wars storytelling. But with all of that said, maybe the savviest thing that the Ahsoka series does so far is transform Morgan Elsbeth from this middling magistrate on The Mandalorian into one of the scariest villains in the Star Wars universe, period. Not only is she one of Grand Admiral Thrawn's most loyal servants, she's one of his wealthiest and most formidable. One of the biggest revelations of the show thus far is that Morgan Elsbeth is a descendant of the Night Sisters of Dathomir. They are a powerful and mysterious coven of witches who wield dark magic that would give even a force wielder a moment of pause. 
Like the Jedi, the Knight Sisters are largely extinct in the modern era as they were wiped out by General Grievous after they betrayed Count Dooku. Now, the fact that Elsbeth is a surviving Knight Sister and is actively hunting Thrawn makes her a much scarier proposition for Ahsoka to contend with. Now, in Episode 2, we also learn that Elsbeth controlled massive construction facilities on Corellia. Now, that is the homeworld of Han Solo, the former shipyard for the Galactic Empire, and the current shipyard for the New Republic. But thanks to saboteurs and imp simps, or Imperial sympathizers, placed within her former holdings, Elsbeth and her cronies were able to funnel away massive objects like, say, a hyperdrive core for a Super Star Destroyer. Who is running this place? Anyway, they need these objects to build a massive hyperspace transport ring known as the Eye of Scion. Unlike other hyperspace transport rings, which traditionally were built to convey a single ship without hyperdrive to faster than light speeds, this one requires many, many, many hyperdrive cores, because they are trying to access a point beyond the reaches of the galaxy far, far away. A point at the end of something known as the Pathway to Paradia. As Balin Skull remarked, this was the stuff of childhood myth at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Much more telling, though, is the name they've selected for this particular hyperspace transport ring, the Eye of Scion. This is a reference to Darth Scion, an ancient Sith Lord and one of the main villains in the critically acclaimed video game Knights of the Old Republic 2, The Sith Lords. Also known as the Lord of Pain, the tragedy of Darth Scion is definitely not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's not a story the Jedi would tell you. Now, something to keep in mind is that Darth Sion is pretty ancient by Star Wars standards. He existed nearly 4,000 years before the events that are unfolding on Ahsoka. After suffering innumerable wounds during the Great Sith War, Sion learned to turn his incredible pain tolerance into a Force ability. After dying in battle, he didn't just turn into a loose pile of robes like some Obi-Wans I could name. Rather, he harnessed the energy of his pain and hatred to hold his decomposing body together using the dark side of the Force. Now, the name the Eye of Sion is also notable because in most depictions of this masochistic murder monster, he has one terrifying damaged eye. And you know the old saying about gazing into the abyss, how sometimes it gazes back? That's exactly what his eye seems to be doing, and maybe where the Eye of Sion could be pointing both heroes and villains alike onto Soka, an abyss containing one of the galaxy's deadliest threats. Darth Sion had also allied himself with Darth Revan and Darth Malak's burgeoning Sith Empire, but when they fell, he found himself as part of a new organization that became known as the Sith Triumvirate. They established their base of operations on the planet Malachor V. Does that sound familiar? Because it should if you watched Star Wars Rebels or played KOTOR 2. Malachor was the nightmarish planet in the Outer Rim that was home to a massive Sith temple which turned out to be an ancient Sith superweapon. Sensing visions of Anakin Skywalker through the Force, Ahsoka traveled to Malachor alongside the Jedi Kanan Jarrus and Ezra Bridger in the episode Twilight of the Apprentice. It was also the site of one of Ahsoka's deadliest battles, a duel with Darth Vader. And by all accounts, Ahsoka was probably going to die on Malachor until she wound up getting saved by Ezra Bridger. But not past or present Ezra, rather future Ezra. He accessed a specific moment in time several years later through a mysterious realm known as the World Between Worlds. Now, for those who don't know, the World Between Worlds is basically the nexus of space and time in the galaxy far, far away. Inside this realm, there are various portals that seemingly lead to fixed points in time, in the past, the present, and maybe even the future. It's also been heavily rumored to appear in the Ahsoka series. 
And while Ezra managed to pull Ahsoka away from her deadly duel with Vader, they immediately faced another threat in the form of Emperor Palpatine. He wanted Ezra to let him inside the World Between Worlds, presumably so Old Sheev could wreak havoc on the space-time continuum. Now, it's unclear where exactly all the entryways in the World Between Worlds lead to. We know that one of them led to that fateful duel on Malachor between Ahsoka and Vader. But rather than a multiverse, it seems like Star Wars could be building towards their own version of Marvel's sacred timeline. The sacred timeline. With Morgan Elsbeth repeatedly invoking the concept of fate, and Star Wars' underpinning notion of chosen ones and people fulfilling their destiny, the idea behind the world between worlds and where it might lead feels more significant than ever. Because what if one of those access points is in that galaxy even further, further away where Thrawn and Ezra now find themselves? Chances are the world between worlds isn't the only secret that Malachor was hiding. It was once Darth Sion's base of operations, and to tie it back to KOTOR even more, both Revan and Malak were going to make cameo appearances at one point in the finale of that Rebels arc. Although it wound up on the cutting room floor, seeing Dave Filoni and company reintroducing a name like Sion that has such deep connections to other Sith lore, that feels pretty intentional. The ancientness of Darth Sion and the Knights of the Old Republic era feels pretty significant as well. Elsbeth explains the mysterious ritual site on Setos where they activate the star map was built by an ancient people from a distant galaxy. Clearly the answers we seek have a connection to a distant past beyond the realms of our current understanding. Much like Darth Plagueis, Darth Sion was also someone that managed to defy death itself. And if Palpatine's following in the footsteps of ancient Sith Lords like Sion rather than just his tragic master, his obsession with eternal life makes even more sense. It also explains why his skin looks so terrible, and I know that sounds like a bit, but I promise it's not, well, not entirely. We made a lot of fun of Mecha Palpatine in The Rise of Skywalker with his, like, secret Sith stadium on Exegol, but according to creature and special makeup of ex-creative supervisor Neil Scanlon, Palpatine almost looked even more horrifying, and for a good reason. Speaking with insiders, Scanlon explained that the clone into which Palpatine transferred his consciousness was meant to look even more dismembered or disjointed than the milky-eyed creature connected to tubes and vials that we actually saw in the movie. And while we've been focusing on the Empire harvesting Grogu's DNA to help create Force-sensitive beef puppets for him to occupy in The Mandalorian, maybe Maybe he's also been taking a page from Darth Sion's playbook and holding his body together through pure hatred and pain. Now, moving on, it's also worth mentioning the Eye of Insert Sith Lord here naming convention has been used before in the Expanded Universe. The no longer canon 1995 novel Children of the Jedi featured an Imperial superweapon known as the Eye of Palpatine. That's no moon, and it's no asteroid either. It was a massive eyeball-shaped dreadnought controlled by an AI known as the Will, and it was sent on a mission to murder Jedi children. Because, of course it was. While Ahsoka, Sabine, Hera, and Chopper are chasing down Morgan Elsbeth and trying to recover that star map, they may also learn that the Eye of Sion isn't the only pathway to Paradia out there. Perhaps Ahsoka will have to journey back inside the world between worlds if she wants to make her way to that far-off sector of space. Now, before I get too deep into Beskar foil hat theory territory, let's remember to take all of this with a grain of crate. Salt. Admittedly, we do have a tendency to look a little too deeply sometimes at the sacred texts. The sacred Jedi texts. Oh, the sacred texts. Sometimes we can overthink it. 
Occam's lightsaber dictates that the simplest answer is usually correct, and in this case, the Eye of Scion might just be a hyperspace ring capable of sending Elsbeth's ship all the way to another galaxy. Even so, given the pockets, pockets of Star Wars Legends lore that Dave Filoni keeps sprinkling into these projects, it's hard not to imagine that he's fomenting, fomenting. something much more complex. And that complex story might very well lead into Palpatine's resurrection someday in ways we don't yet fully understand. But with six episodes to go, hopefully we'll get our answers sooner rather than later. And considering all the discussion of witchcraft, mythology, and dark side deviousness, it's conceivable that finding Palpatine's heir to the Empire could lead us into realms outside both space as we know it and time as well. Anyway, folks, there you have it. That's our working theory about Ahsoka's mysterious Eye of Scion and what it could mean for the series. While we wait for answers, we have plenty of other deep dives into the show itself for you over on Nerdist. For now, though, tell us, what do you think? Do you think there's a deeper significance to the Eye of Scion? What's your favorite part of Ahsoka so far? Nice haircut. Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com. 